Well, I'm going to ask you a, a very profound question uh, to begin with. And uh, it'll be really interesting to see how many of you uh, will know this or not. But it's a really profound question. Who remembers the Encyclopedia Britannica? Look at that. Somebody in the front seats as well. Look at that. Who remembers the Encyclopedia Britannica? Okay. Um, Knowledge is a, is a big business, isn't it? Okay, so for those of you who don't know what the Encyclopedia Britannica is, this is pre-internet, okay? Do you remember that decade, pre-internet? Yeah, Nin the 1980s, I would say, 1970s, 1980s. And you could buy the Encyclopedia... You don't know what the Encyclopedia Britannica is, do you? You do? Okay, good. <laughs> Just double-checking. You're looking at me as if I, you know... You could buy these volumes. I... I, I I reckon Mark Barnes has got, you know, several volumes, no? Yeah, too posh for us. Too posh for you. You could buy these volumes, and if you wanted to know anything, you would have to remember the first letter of what you were looking for. So if you wanted to know about Egypt, you'd have to remember, Egypt begins with an E, and you'd go to, you know, the Encyclopedia Britannica and look at it, maybe in alphabetical order or by themes, okay? These were books, okay? Big bound books, and you'd have them in your bookshelf. Knowledge was a big business. Whereas today, all I have to do is say, Hey Siri, I'm waiting for somebody's phone to go off. <laughs> or, or I could say, Okay, Google. Okay, that's what happens in our Okay, there <laughs> we go. <laughs> it was a bit delayed reaction there. Knowledge was a big business, you know. Okay, Siri. Okay, Google. Um, the internet is piled with resources, okay? Um, if you want to know anything, you know, don't go to a book these days, just go to YouTube. Go to YouTube and type in, in the search, what is it that you're looking for? What is the answer to what you're looking for? And you'll you get all these self-help videos. How do I do this? In one sense, you could say a similar thing and say, well, how do I follow God? How do I follow God? Where does it all start? How do I become a Christian? Where does it all start? It's a big question, isn't it? It's, a, it's probably the most important question. It is the most important question. If what Nathaniel was saying earlier is, God is our refuge, and he protects us from the most serious of things. He protects us from our sin. Well, the most important question is, how do I follow God? What does it mean to follow God? God and the next 20 minutes doesn't cover it all but it's a start isn't it we've got to think about as Christians the challenges of communicating what does it mean to follow God in a world that doesn't really know Mark's gospel says this the beginning chapter 1 verse 1 the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ the son of God the whole of Mark's gospel is about Jesus Christ, the Son of God, and it's the gospel. The gospel is good news. So this morning, the good news is this, that you're going to find out that we can find out about what it means to follow God. When we have the biggest problem ever, we now know what it means to follow God. And, and language can mean different things to different people. And Matthew Mark and Luke all record this story about um, Levi, or he's also called Matthew, the tax collector, following Jesus. 
What we know is Levi is someone who followed Jesus. Am I on? Am I off? I am on, am I? Yeah, brilliant. Levi is someone who followed Jesus. And as we look at this account, it teaches me, it teaches you, it teaches the world. What does it look like to follow Jesus? And the first thing is this. We follow Jesus by accepting his invitation. We follow Jesus by accepting his invitation. The story begins like this. Chapter 2, verse 13. Here is the good news. You can follow Jesus. We follow Jesus by accepting his invitation. Jesus went out again beside the sea. And all the crowd was coming to him. And he was teaching them. And as he passed by, he saw Levi, or Matthew, the son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax collector's booth. And he said to them, follow me. And he rose and followed him. Here's the good news. We follow Jesus by accepting his invitation. What's happening on this day? Jesus is teaching everyone. He's teaching lots and lots of people. And he's teaching about God. He's teaching about God's truth. There are those in the Bible, there are those in the world who who twist the truth. Or who abandon the truth. Or make up some new truth. But the Bible says that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And that we need to listen to him. And he's teaching the crowds. And when we consider our world today, there there are many other different voices, aren't there? About what is important. You just have to go to your internet. There are many, many different voices about what is considered important or what is considered spiritual or what you really, really need in life. But there are limits, aren't there, to what human beings can can do. There are limits to what others can do for you. And history, history in itself, just reveals those limits. You remember those Encyclopedia Britannicals? You know, they, they kind of went out of date, didn't they? There was a limit to what they could tell you. But Jesus, Jesus came to bring life. You read what is recorded in Scripture And there are no limits. He gave sight to the blind. He made the lame walk. He made the deaf hear. He gave forgiveness. He gave new life. He even raised the dead. You see, there are many, many voices that will promise you and I many, many things. But there's a limit. But nothing compares to this Jesus who taught God's word, who taught the truth, and he made promises to provide not just for one part of life, but beyond death and into eternity. You see, to follow Jesus is to follow Jesus in life and in death and eternity. And Levi Well, he might not have been part of that crowd that was able to listen to Jesus, but at the workplace, in his tax collector's booth, he did have the opportunity. And when he did have the opportunity to meet Jesus, what did he do? He took it. There and then, he he took it. Jesus invited him and said, follow me. And he took it. And if you look at the other Gospels, it it says this, that uh, he left everything there and then. He left his job and he followed Jesus. 
when you think about it, you think, well, well what did he have? And then he got invited to follow Jesus, and then, then he left it all. It's a pretty big decision, isn't it? Imagine that. You're at work, and you leave everything. Imagine you're in your house, and you leave everything. It's a pretty big decision, isn't it? To follow Jesus. The tax booth, think about it, would have been quite lucrative. You would have made a lot of money. That's what they were known for. A tax collector wouldn't have had the best reputation then. If I'm honest, they don't have the best reputation today either, do they? We know that from another story about Zacchaeus. He was a tax collector, and, and the people really didn't like him. Think about that. What did he have? He had a lucrative job, and then he picks up everything, and he goes and follows Jesus. What does it mean to, to be a Christian if you're not one? What does it mean to be a Christian if you're not one? The answer can sometimes be very confusing, but in its essence, it's this. A Christian is someone who follows Jesus and accepts his call. This call to follow this historical Jesus is to follow him when he calls you to follow him. Being a Christian is not about your, your Christian heritage or what your parents did or where they went or what church they went to. It's not about whether you were baptised or whether you were christened or, or how it happened. It's not about how good or, or bad you are. It means to accept this invitation to follow Jesus. A Christian is, is not someone who's defined by human standards. You know, the Pharisees there, they, they had this standard, they had this idea, they had this definition of what it meant to follow God. But a Christian's not defined by human standards. But whether you accept or reject the call of God in Christ. Have you done that? Have you accepted God's call in Christ? Have you accepted that invitation to follow Jesus? That you've, that you've compared everything that, in one sense, that you have, and you, and you look at what it means to follow Jesus, and actually there's, there's no comparison. There's no comparison at all. And whatever you think is important... Actually, there's nothing that is more important. There is nothing more crucial than, than following this Jesus. And you can do that. And you can do that today. Just like Levi. He got up at that moment and, and followed him. And if you are a Christian, what does it mean to, to follow Jesus? It means to, to follow him and accept his call. And up and down the country at 10.30 or 11, Nathaniel, there are church services. <laughs> up and down the country, there are Christians in churches meeting this morning to worship God. And they've accepted the call of Jesus to follow him. And they might do things in different ways. And they might have slightly different flavours. Or slightly different formats. But there's a unity, isn't there? That we to take joy in and that we're to, to do everything to, to keep that unity amongst believers. And Jesus says that when Christians unite together, 
when Christians are of one mind and one togetherness, then it's a big signal to the world, isn't it? To believe in him. What does it mean to be a Christian? To accept the invitation of Jesus. We follow Jesus by accepting his invitation. And secondly, we're, we're all invited. We're all invited to enjoy a relationship with Jesus. All of us are invited to enjoy a relationship with Jesus. What does Levi do? What does Levi, the tax collector, do when he gets up and he follows Jesus? Well, what does he do? Verse 15, and as he reclined at it, a table in his house with many tax collectors and sinners were reclining with Jesus and his disciples, for there were many who followed him. What does he do? He throws a party. That's what he does. He throws a party at his house and he invites everyone. Why wouldn't he? He's just met Jesus. The Bible says Jesus is the creator of the universe. And he's following him. That's what the creator of the world came to do. He stepped into this world so that we could know him. Jesus didn't just teach people. He taught people so that he could follow him and be with him. Being with Jesus is meant to be joyful. It's meant to be joyful that we can be with God. Here, Levi was... Jesus was at Levi's house, and there were many others with him, and they were having a party. They were having dinner together. They were having a wonderful time. Jesus was in the house. Being with Jesus is meant to be joyful, and joy can look different for for different people. But Jesus didn't just come to tell us information that we can kind of take off the bookshelf every now and then and, and, and... dive into it when we, when we feel down or we, we feel troubled or we think we need to hear some comforting words. No, no, that, it's not just information. It, Jesus came to tell us about God so that we could be with God. You see, we can't divorce, we can't separate gospel teaching from gospel fellowship. We can't separate those two things out. The hallmarks of the, the Christian faith are, are faith, love and hope putting your trust in Jesus, of of following him and and loving him and having a love for other people and having a love for other Christians and and having this hope of heaven. That's what it means to follow Jesus, to have a relationship with him, to enjoy being with him and wanting others to follow him too. If you could be transported back into time. If you could be transported back into time and you could, you could go back to this time, this period, would you like to be with Jesus? If you could go back in time and you could be in this period, in this event, would you like to be with Jesus? I'm hoping... If you're a Christian, your answer is yes. But let me ask you another question. If you could go back in time, if you could be transported back into time, and you could be in this house with this group of people, with the tax collectors 
and the sinners, with all those that society looked down upon, with all those that society had difficulty with, with all those who hadn't found favour in the community, would you want to be in that party? Would you want to be in that party? And I suspect sometimes there's a difference in our answers, isn't there? That sometimes we want to be with Jesus, but we don't want to mess, maybe be with the people that he was with. But you see, this is the historical Jesus. He's inviting everyone to enjoy this living relationship with him. He invested time with being with tax collectors and sinners, with people that others struggle to be with. He was teaching them and calling them. It would have been a normal part of what he was rather than something that he did. And if we're Christians, we're called to be like Jesus. It's something that we are by our very nature. Somebody who has faith and somebody who has love for everyone. You see, the Pharisees, they had a completely different view, didn't they? They had this strictness. They had this very narrow idea in their thinking of what it meant to be a follower of God. And sometimes as Christians, we can, we can take on some of their attitudes, can't we? We can make assumptions that, that they said in verse 16, and some of the scribes, the Pharisees, when they saw he was eating with sinners and tax collectors, they said, why does he do that? It's as if they were saying, well, well we never expected him to do those kinds of things. They made all these assumptions. And sometimes as Christians, we can make all sorts of assumptions. And sometimes if you're not a Christian, we can make all sorts of assumptions about God as well. Sometimes we make the assumption that, well, maybe they are only the kinds of people that would be interested in, in God. And, and these kinds of people, well, they don't look like they're interested in God at all. But you see, my friends, God is interested in everyone. And he loves the whole world. That's why he sent Jesus Christ into the world. He loves everyone. Sometimes we, we, we're like the Pharisees and we'll, we'll think, well, I'm not, sure if I'm not sure if they're good enough. I'm not sure if they're well behaved enough. I'm not sure if they're, they're kind of outside. They're, they're not entitled or they're, they're just too different or they're, they're not like us. They're not good enough. But the Bible says that no one is good enough. I'm not good enough. You're not good enough. No one else is good enough. None of us are good enough. Sometimes we think, well, people's behaviours or people's actions show that they're not the kind of people that maybe God would want. But actually God doesn't look at the outward. God looks at the heart. And you might think coming to, to church today that actually, actually you're okay. But yes, maybe on the outward. But God looks at the heart. And God sees the heart. And God sees our, our thoughts and our motives and our desires. And he sees that even the most kindest of people, even the most generous of people, we can love our neighbour in the most generous possible way. But he sees all of us don't love God with all our heart, mind, soul and strength. 
You see, sometimes we can convince ourselves. We can make assumptions, just like the Pharisees, that they were safe and everyone wasn't. But in God's economy, no one is safe. Everyone needs to have God as their shield and their safety and their refuge. Everyone. We aren't to make any assumptions. Just this week, um, a man got himself into a lot of hot water by, by tweeting something that came up to a lot of criticism. His name was Peter Schiff. Did I pronounce that right? Peter Schiff. And he said this. I don't know if you saw the tweet. It went viral. And it said this. He said this. I understand. And he was talking about the, uh, the, um, the speech that uh, President of Ukraine, President Zelensky, made to the U.S. Congress. As you've heard this last few weeks, that the President Zelensky of, of Ukraine is making different speeches to you know, different political houses. And it's unprecedented, isn't it? And he said this. He said, I understand times are hard, but doesn't the president of the Ukraine own a suit? I don't have much respect for current members of the US Congress either, but I still wouldn't address them wearing a T-shirt. I wouldn't want to disrespect the institution of the United States. Did you get what he was saying? President Zelensky was addressing the Congress of the United States, and he was wearing a T-shirt. If you've seen the news over the last few weeks, every time President Zelensky says anything, he's usually wearing a khaki or green T-shirt. He's, 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 he's in military uniform of some sort. And Peter Schiff openly criticised President Zelensky for saying that he should have worn a suit. He says, I understand times are hard, but would it be nice if he'd worn a suit? Is it possible that sometimes we don't understand that times are hard? Is it possible that Peter Schiff, when he made that statement and he was criticised for it, didn't understand how difficult things were? Is it possible that he didn't really fully appreciate that this country was at war? Is it possible that sometimes... We, like the Pharisees, have become so sanitized in our thinking that we've become desensitized to our sin. That we've become so sanitized in our thinking that we've become desensitized to our sin and that we forget that we are at war. We are at war with our, our flesh. We are at war with our sin. That we need to not be like the Pharisees, but understand the gravity and the consequences of our sin. You see, this is what Mark writes about. He tells us the good news about Jesus Christ. The good news is this, that we are at war. We are sinners. All of us. But Jesus Christ, he came into this world for sinners. He came into this world and he, he died a death on a cross for sinners. And that death was enough. And three days later he was raised to life. And he appeared to all his friends and those who followed him and to others who witnessed him. 
and in his death and in his resurrection, he offers you and me life. That's good news, isn't it? That even though all of us are at war, we're offered peace with God. We're offered forgiveness for our sin. We're invited, like Levi, to come and follow Jesus and to enjoy being with him. Let's not be narrow in our reach as Christians. But at the same time, let's not be afraid to have a party. A church should be alive. A church, if it's full of people who've been forgiven, it should be alive. It should be a great place to be. We should be loud, if that makes sense. And others should be looking at what's going on in our churches and be thinking, well, what's going on there? I want to be there. I want to go and take a look at at why are these people, you know, joyful? What makes them happy? What makes them tick? Why do they live in the way that they do? You see, the Pharisees, they were there, weren't they? And what were they doing? They they saw what happened. They, They saw it, but they weren't in it. They were outside of the party. They were cut off. They were were keeping themselves away. They were outside of the fellowship with God. They said they believed in God. and they, they, They look as if they're so close to God because they're teachers of the law. Yet actually they were far from God. And maybe you this morning has come and and you're thinking, well, you know, I, I come to church or, or, or I come to Bethel or I, or, I, or I read my Bible or I pray. It could be so close. But that's not what it means to be a Christian. To be a Christian is someone who's, who's accepted the invitation of Jesus to follow him. And you can follow him today. But if you're a Christian and you are following Jesus... We need to be careful, don't we? We need to be careful, don't we, that our, that our protocols, our habits, our church traditions, they, they don't get in the way of what is wartime. Where we need to be declaring the, the peace of God against the devil and his schemes. We need to recapture the, the urgency of the gospel, of the good news. That it's for everyone and all are invited. To follow Jesus is to accept his invitation. Jesus invites everyone to follow him. And lastly, we all need to recognize, we all need to recognize our need of Jesus in verse 17. Did you just see the, the wonderful news articles this week where it even brought a tear to a um, uh, a presenter's eyes as she was reading about the breaking news that uh, uh, Nazanin, Zagari, Ratcliffe and uh, Nushe Ashuri had been freed. And it's been all over the news, isn't it? And there's been various images in the press um, um, about, uh, you know, in the airport, how they met their family for the first time and, and how, um, you know, being, being back on, on UK soil... But there's one picture that I, I thought was one of, the, one of the best pictures. It was the, the picture of, of the two freed people in the cockpit of the aeroplane that had just landed on the tarmac. 
And there was this beautiful picture of, of the two of them sitting with the, the, the two pilots who'd, who'd flown them back home. And this picture just, just captured that, that sense where they were, they were there in the cockpit. And as you looked out the cockpit windows, you could see the, the tarmac, British soil. That finally they were, they were home. Finally, they were, they were safe on home territory with all the protection that it offers. There's all these questions of whether a debt had been paid to set them free. They were finally home. They were finally safe with all the country's full protection. You see, the Pharisees, they asked this question. They said, why does Jesus eat with, with sinners and tax collectors? And that question showed something incredibly serious, doesn't it? That they were not safe. That they were, were still in danger. That they hadn't recognised their need of Jesus. They're the teachers of the law, the law abiders. They're, 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 they're looking, they're, they're standing, they're, they're looking on. And, and as Jesus replies to them, as he hears this question, he says, well, well who, who, who needs help? It's the ones who are sick, isn't it? They, they hadn't realised. They hadn't realised that they weren't safe. Their question showed they had a completely different view of God. Yet they too were sinners. They too were sick. They just hadn't realised it. They too were sinners in need of being saved. You see, the Bible says that all of us are sinners. All of us are trapped in sin. And there's this wonderful invitation by God to set us free. They tried to protect themselves. They thought, well, by, by keeping the law or, or, or by making up new laws or, or trying to be the best person ever, that would be good enough. But Jesus says even to them, actually, do you not realise that you are sick? I have not, I came not to call the righteous but sinners. That they didn't realise that they too were unrighteous, just like Levi the tax collector, just like everyone else in the party, the tax collectors and the sinners. And the Bible, the good news, gloriously says this, that Jesus Christ, the righteous one, came. And he gave us his righteousness and gave it to us. And he is willing to clothe you, you, the unrighteous one, me, the unrighteous one. And he's willing to clothe us so that we're seen not as a sinner, but as a child of God. Have you recognised your need of Jesus this morning? That just like Levi, you need to follow him. You need to accept his call. Are you willing to follow him and, and, and come and enjoy this relationship with him that starts today and goes on beyond death and into eternity? Do you want to be saved? Do you want to have this Transform life where you are fully safe with all God's refuge and protection. 
So my friends, all of us owe a debt to God. And yet Jesus Christ came. And when he died on that cross, a debt was paid in full. And not a single question remains. Levi, on that day, he followed Jesus. And right now, you can follow Jesus. Right now, you can say, I want to follow Jesus. Right now, you can, you can say to God, I'm sorry for, for sinning against you. Right now, you can say sorry to God. And right now, you can say, I want to believe that you died on the cross for me. Right now, you can accept his forgiveness. Right now, you can do that. Think about it for a moment. What would happen to your life right now if you put your trust in Jesus? You'd be forgiven. You'd be forgiven. You'd be, you'd be right with God and God would see you not as a sinner, but he'd, he'd give you his righteousness. He'd clothe you in it. And you'd begin this life with God as your refuge and your protection. And you do not need to fear what comes before you, but you can pray to him and you can receive help from him. And when you die... It will not be the end, but it will be the beginning of life with Jesus for forever. It's what's happened to other Christians who are here sitting this morning. And it can happen right now to you too. You don't need to wait. But just like Levi, you can hear the call of Jesus. And you can accept it now and follow Jesus.